complain like me occasionally. Well, <clears throat> he's to enter into the gates with what thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We have so much to be thankful for. Do we not? Yes. Amen. Do you remember B.C. before Christ in your life? I don't mean B.C. in the sense of in here, but I'm talking about before Jesus. Thank God we're not who we used to be and we're not where we used to be. <clears throat> well, uh, I'm here this morning, Pastor uh, Billings and um, Ms. Deborah's on the road. They're, they're traveling. They'll be back Sunday. So I'm not the pastor here. I pastor Grace Life Church in Jemison. And uh, your pastors and I, I guess, we met in 1996 in Birmingham at a Kenneth Hagin meeting. Wow. And uh, we was at, uh, at uh, Word Life and... Uh, he was, I don't know if he was sitting in front of me or behind me when they said, turn around and meet your neighbor. Well, they put us in the pastoral section to sit there or whatever. And, and so either he turned or I turned. And somehow, I don't remember the details, but uh, we never turned after 26 years. And so uh, it was later on. And of course, he wasn't passionate time. You know, they moved from Texas, as you know, here. And then they traveled for a year or two before they, uh, before they started the church. And uh, we had him come to our church uh, Pastor Michael came and he, he uh, had a thing that God had given him to teach when he was on the road. It came two or three times. And we just, it, it, just a, it was just a heaven sent relationship. Then we kind of both, uh, we, we kind of both uh, laughed one day and then we were, as we got to know each other, he says, he says, when's your birthday? And I says, January 9th. And he says, what? I said, yeah. He says, that's my birthday. So we're, we're just, we're brothers of a different mother. Amen. So I'm so thankful for the relationship that God gave to us. So uh, this morning, we're going to continue a little bit from uh, going a little different way. We talked about Elevate uh, Wednesday night, but uh, this morning, if you want to give it a title, I'm not really good at titles, but I would just say this, it's uh, become who you are. Be become who you already are. Now, you can come and sit in church and listen and go to church and hit the spiritual clock and leave just about the same. And I'm sad to say that probably happens in a lot of churches where people come, they assemble, they're good people, godly people, they're going to go to heaven. But I don't know there's a whole lot of change. But I don't know about you, but when I read this book, this book is radical. I mean, this is the wildest book I've ever read in my life. <laughs> I mean, this is one, I mean, <laughs> this is one crazy novel if it was a novel, right? You look at the things that the disciples did and Jesus did and Jesus was healing people and he spit on the ground and put, you know, put mud in their eyes. You know, <clears throat> if, you, if you do that today, you better get results. Because <laughs> Alex Sonara, he'll be calling you the next Monday and you'll be sued forever. And so, uh, but I think what's happened is we, we lost something a, a number of decades ago, and uh, you have to almost go back to see what, where the church was when it was operating in, in power, in victory. And to fill that in, the church is kind of, we, we put in programs. We got this program and that program, and all the programs aren't bad. I'm not saying they're not of God, but I'm just saying, <clears throat> instead of having the power of God, instead of having the anointing, what we have is a program. And uh, that has to change. Yes. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it, for it, the gospel is the power of God. Some people say, well, we just need to get together and pray and fast and pray for more power. Well, you don't need to pray for more power. You just need more gospel. The gospel is the power of God under what? 
unto salvation. How many know salvation is the greatest miracle that could ever take place? If you ever ask someone and, and, and if you ask people, you say, well, even believers, you say, would you rather see uh, someone saved again? Or would you rather see someone raised from the dead? Well, a lot of people, they would say, well, I'd like to see someone raised from the dead. Well, you, you do have to understand that the power of God that saves the person is the greatest miracle because they were dead. Every time someone saved, they were just raised from the dead. They were dead, their spirit was dead, and now they've been uh, raised to be alive in Christ. And so um, a quick, quick testimony for those of you who, who knew what, uh, Wednesday night when we was here, you knew I was traveling uh, south of the state um, to minister to someone that I've never met. I just uh, have been down that way, as you know, uh, I'll, I'll try to put this together for those who don't know. I have a friend who lives about 150 miles south of me, just a, a buddy that I went to school with, and, and uh, we lost touch in 35 years. Uh, but we, I mean, we were best friends, and uh, I knew his family very well. He knew my family very well. I, as a kid, I'd be, spend the night either at his house or he was at my house, but, but either one. We were, we were family one to another. But as that goes, and as you grow older and school takes place, and you, you know, you go to school, and then you, you're looking, and you're, you're, you, know, you get married, and children, and, and life. Well, the last time we saw each other was in our early 20s. And so January 1st of this year, uh, we, we got a phone call at the church, and my, my, my wife received the message and called me. She says, your friend, and she told me his name, she says, uh, uh, has called the church. His wife has called and, and she says uh, he's in trouble. I don't know if you'll call him. So I called him. Long story short, he, uh, he was not feeling well at all. Turned out what he had was liver cancer. And so, um, and then there's, they did chemo and the, the tumor was in the bile duct of the liver and there was, uh, it hadn't spread to the body, but the, the tumor continued to grow. So they did chemotherapy and of course he was deathly ill doing chemotherapy and uh, the, the tumor uh, began to grow uh, under chemotherapy. The only other thing they had left for him was to remove the tumor, but the tumor was so large that it wasn't going to leave enough liver really to live. They measured it and said, if we take the, if we take the uh, tumor out, you'll have 28% of your liver left. Wow. And, but you have to have 30% to live. And they said, so that's all we can do. And uh, what do you want us to do? He said, I guess I don't have any choice. I guess take it out. Backing up a little bit, I was kind of, I always kidding, said, you know, uh, if the church door was open in my, the home I was raised in, if the church door was open, I, my family was there. Well, my mother, not my dad, but my mother was there. And there was four of us, and that, that must have been quite a job for a single, almost a single mom. She's married, but I mean, if we were going to get there, it's because of her. And uh, and so she was she was bold, and she's she did, she, she was superwoman, <laughs> and, and she had four of us there. And uh, she, it wasn't, it wasn't a choice. If we wanted to go, you were there. Uh, so I was kid, uh, I was kid said I was drugged to church. I had, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church. Well, my my, my buddy, say he his parents never went to church, and so uh, he wouldn't. Uh, but he did tell me. He said, but I did go three or four times. And I knew his grandparents very well. And, um, and I said, I, I didn't know you went with him. He said, but, well, I was eight, nine, nine years old. He says, I probably went to church three or four times in my life. So when I began to find out, you know, what his situation was, of course, he was, um, they couldn't take the tumor out now because the, uh, when they got ready to take the tumor out, 
And even though he says, let's do it, I had no other choice. It's kind of the thing like, we'll, we'll, we'll remove it, but you won't have a 28% left. And so, in other words, you may not wake up from the surgery. He says, I guess I had no choice, take it out. So they scheduled that surgery for about a week later or, or so. He went in to have the surgery, and the tumor grew so much more that it, it wouldn't have 28%. We wow. said, there's, there's just nothing else that we can do. So he was scared, of course. He was terrified. He's six months younger than I am. And then he called and he says, I, 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 mean, I, know, you, I, know, I know you're in the ministry. I've heard it. And he said, I'm sorry we hadn't talked in 35 years. He says, can you help me? And I said, absolutely. Yes, absolutely can help you. And so I was going to go do a meeting in the uh, north part of Alabama. We were doing a conference up there. And so I sent him a book um, about someone who'd been healed of liver cancer. And, uh, and I said, when I get back from this meeting, I'll call you. And then we talked. And I just really felt impressed my spirit just to go to, go to his home. Well, he, he, he was at the place where he wasn't around people uh, for, it, now at that time it had been 10 months because he would be so vulnerable to anything, COVID, anything, flu, anything could be detrimental to his health. And so I said, uh, we'll come down there. And uh, I told him, I says, I'm going to go do this meeting. You do this, but I'm going to pray. And I said, so here's the first thing you need to know. I said, We're, <clears throat> there is no dying here. He said, you're not going to, I said, you're not dying. He said, now, is that you telling me or is that, or is that God? I said, yes. People do a lot of times when you say, well, this prophecy or whatever, you, you, you speak life to them. They'll say, now, is that you or is that, or is that the Holy Spirit? Yes. You know why? Because we're one. What, what is prophecy? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. You know, if you get a prophecy that says, the Lord would say to you, thy ugly mug, by next Thursday I'll take you out. Well, that's not, that, that's not edifying, it's not exhorting, it's not, it's not comforting, it's, it's not God. And so anyway, um, the long story short of that, uh, we went down there in ministry. We've been down there three times, four times actually. And it's, it's, it's an all-day trip. It's 150 miles from me there and back. Then we spend about three hours together. And so we went down there. And so the, 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 he, he only has 5% of the cancer left in his body. And th there's, there's nothing the doctor can do about it. So we just go down there and minister the life of God, which is what we're talking about today. We just minister the, the life of God to him. And then we just release that into his body. And so they do a, a, a test on it every three months. And he'll have one in about two weeks. So I'll be back down there this Thursday uh, to minister him to one more time. And so the, the numbers was like he was at 6,500 of, of cancer activity in his body. And they said if you get down to like 500, it'll be in remission. That he's at 923. He was at 6,500. So that got him on to a, a situation that he, call, he called. He said, there's people that live over here with us in, in um, South Alabama. He says, we don't know them, but he says, my wife and uh, is, my wife's sister is friends with them. And he says, uh, and this guy, he's, he has cancer. And uh, he says, so my wife's sister is telling him what happened to me and wanted to know, you know, would you pray for him? And um, so when I was down to the last time, that couple was going to try to come by my friend's house while we were there, but they couldn't, they couldn't get out away from the doctor. He's, he, uh, he's, he's been sent home to die. So he has stomach cancer, then he's had a, a hematoma, and then he's had a stroke. 
And so there's nothing they could do. He's been in the hospital. He's been gone on for nine months. So as you know, I was here Wednesday night, and we talked, and I had a, I, I brought a handkerchief, and and I knew I was with believers, and I said, you know, if you want to be a part of that, just just put the envelope or just put the handkerchief right here and just come minister. And we know Acts 19, what happened when Paul would do that. Well, so when I, I got there this, uh, I got there Thursday morning at 9:45. And uh, and you have to see that you I mean, and I've been in a lot, a lot of these situations. I mean, and uh, and I, I really I really enjoy it. But but I, I you know I don't know them. They don't know me. My friend he's never met them, and they never met my friend. It's just my friend's wife is friends with her. And so I opened, I knocked on the door, and she opened it, and I said, "Hi, I'm Eric West." And she knew I was coming, and she just started crying. She's so tired. She's so fatigued. Nine months. And she said, we just got home from the hospital yesterday. She said, for 37 days. This is the last time, 37 days. And so he was in a recliner. And uh, he was, you might say, comatose. And so we kind of met and talked for 15 minutes. And, and long, long story short, so there's, there's nothing they could do. The stomach cancer and the stroke has really got him kind of. So he was in and out. But uh, pre, uh, he, he had no idea that I was even there. And she said, do you need me to wake him up? I said, no, I, I don't need him to do anything. She said, well, doesn't, you know, and he's being involved with his faith. I said, no, I don't need his faith for anything. <clears throat> you, you, why would you, uh, how much faith did Lazarus help Jesus with? <laughs> if I do my math right, it's, 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 it's very little to none. I'm thinking none. I said, I'll just leave him alone. And I said, uh, I'll just be real quiet. See, sometimes we think it's more powerful if we scream and we holler and we get da 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 da. <clears throat> so today, before we leave here, and when we come off Facebook, hello Facebook. Sorry, I didn't give you the proper introduction. We're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, at River Church. And uh, but when we come off, I'm gonna pray for anyone who's who's need healing their body. And today, you will be healed. You you will not leave here the way that you came today. You're here by divine appointment. I'm not a big deal. I'm no deal at all. But the Christ in me. You will be healed today if you need healing in your body. So I knocked on the door. She opened up and she said, and I said, I'm Eric West. And she just started crying. And, uh, you know, when you're tired, you're emotional. So when I went over to minister to him and lay hands on him, he said this. Or uh, I, she said, you want me to wake him up? I said, no. So I had, I had the handkerchief, you know, and I had it ministered with it in my pocket here all night. And I had it down there and I was, I was all prepared. And so I said, I'll just, don't wake him up. I'm just, he's in the recline. I'll just lay hands on him. He was reclined. And uh, she said, he he's, stays like this most of the time. And I don't want to do this for the sound of it, what it might sound like, but this is what happened. So I gently went to the recliner. I put my hands gently on his heart. And he went, oh, Jesus. And she looked, and I looked, and I said, is this normal? She says, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> so I stayed there about 20 more minutes. So uh, I got home about 4 o'clock Thursday, and she texted me. She says, Rick, he's awake. And she said, he is, he is more alert than I've ever seen him. And she said, he woke up. And she, I said, he didn't know I was there. And she said, no. He says, he woke up, and all he said, he says, Brenda, I don't want to die, and I'm not going to die. He said, y'all don't give up on me. She said, something's going on. I'm going to live. Thank y'all. 
for that agreement and went down there. So he, he's got that handkerchief. So we'll go down there Thursday again and shoot him with some more life. Yeah. Pastor Buzz used to call it Zoe rays. Remember, like these, well, he said, I'm going to shoot you with the Zoe life. Well, that's what life is. If you look it up in the Strongs, you know it's the word Z-O-E, Zoe, which is the manner of life that Jesus had in him is in you. Amen. So it's time for us to become what you already are. Amen. So I'm just going to give it to you real straight. That's real easy right here in this place. So if I make you mad, I'm looking for some response. I'd rather you like it, but if not, if I, if I have to make you mad, as long as we get on the right track. So most of the people who are my mentors are all dead. <laughs> I mean, you have to go back to when the church was actually acting like the church and find out what they were doing instead of putting all these little uh, shenanigans in here and trying this and trying that and, you know, and trying to get healed of a headache. See, pain and sickness for people has a voice. And if it wears on them long enough, it wears on their emotions and, and, and they, they feel hopeless, like there's no hope. Well, there's no such thing as a hopeless believer. Think about it. A believer who's hopeless? There's no such thing. But people need healing mentally. Well, when, when, when you bring the life of God to someone who's, who's unborn again, you preach the gospel and you get them saved. Well, that's, that's the life of God going in to change their spirit, to bring life. But if, if, if they need healing mentally or in their emotions, what the, that, what the, what the life of God, it's the same life of God. But what it does then, it brings deliverance. But if their body's sick, what you're doing is you're just reconciling their body back to the place of wholeness, what it's supposed to be. And, and, and that's called healing. But it's all called life. That's all we're doing. So when, so when we're praying, we're just ministering life. And Jesus said, I come to give you what? Life. life. And look up the word. It's Z-O-E. I come to give you life. Now, some people say, call, he come to give you abundant life. He, he did, but not in the sense that there's churches called abundant life. But sometimes I don't wonder if they even understand the name of their church. So he, the scripture literally says he come to give you life abundantly, not abundant life. Because you could have an abundant life, and if that means provision, well, then that means people who's not even saved but had abundant life. The, the, the mafia could have abundant life in cars and homes and, and possessions, right? But Jesus said, I've come to give you life, Zoe life, and I've come to give it to you in abundance so that you'll have so much of this life in you, it'll change everything in your life, but you'll have so much to give away to anyone who needs it so that when you go minister to the, oh, amen. amen. So let's hit the good road going wide open. So we, we uh, I don't really have time to go back and say what we said Wednesday, but that's, that's on Facebook if you can watch it. Let me, let, me re, let me read to you John 3, verses 12 and 13. John 3, 12 and 13 is one of the most mind-boggling statements I think Jesus has ever made. John 3, 12 and 13. John 12 said, Jesus said, I've told you earthly things, and yet you believe not. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Verse 13. He, Jesus said, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, and even the Son of Man which is in heaven. You familiar with those verses? Yes. So even though what, what, what he's telling you is, I'm here on earth. I came from heaven. But what he's really telling you is, <clears throat> I'm in two worlds at one time. I'm in two worlds at one time. You say, well, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, but uh, 
you're a believer? So are you. Ephesians says that right now, positionally speaking, you are seated with him in heavenly places. And you're sitting right there in that chair right here in River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Positionally speaking, you're, you're, you're in two different places. You're in two different worlds at one time. So what we have to do is learn how to access everything that heaven already gained for us through Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Okay, now, so he said, he said if, if I can't talk to you about heavenly things you don't understand, he says, or earthly things, how are you going to believe if we talk about heavenly things? So Jesus was living on earth, but heaven's coming out of him all the time. If you want to operate in the supernatural, you're going to have to live in the supernatural. Becoming aware of your supernatural resources. More than your earthly resources, more than what's ailing you, more than what's hurting you, more than the lack that's in your life. See, whatever you're giving your attention to, whatever's got your attention right now, that's what's dominated in your life. Who or what you're thinking about the most is what's driving your emotions. And we all have emotions, but they're not supposed to run our life. They're really supposed to help you and bless you, but they're not supposed to run your life. Did you not know that the scripture says, if you submit yourself to God and to the word of God, you resist the devil and the devil flees from you. It didn't say if you had a thousand people agreeing and you get a prayer chain going. It says you. You submit yourself to God, to the word, you resist the devil and he runs from you. He's terrified of you. I don't know what happened, but, uh, you know, before COVID, and I'm sure there's still some out there. I don't even know if you can buy them, but there used to be all these cars that would drive by and, they, and in the back of it say, no fear. I don't, I don't see them anymore. I don't know if they take, took off their car. I don't know if you could buy them or they make them anymore, but there's just no, you can't hardly find one that's no fear. And fear has, has run rampant in the, in the world and in the church. And that's Satan's plan. But listen here, as a believer, you know that you don't have a spirit of fear, do you? But of what? Power, love, love and what? Sound a sound mind, which is a, a mind of peace. So, so we don't have that. Well, what, any spirit, when, he's, when it's manifesting, whatever the spirit is, how it manifests is, of course, what it is. When, when fear is in your life, see, it's not you, it's not your fear. It's that demonic spirit's fear just trying to manifest through you. It's, it's not even you the one who's fearful. It's, 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 it's that spirit manifesting what it really is. Well, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, of course, right? Power, love, and sound mind. And so there's all this fear mongering that's, that's been going on. And I think the whole setup of COVID, of course, it's not from heaven, it was from hell. They told you to be six, six, six foot away, be, have social distance. Six foot's not social. It's not. It's, it's non-social. That's right. <laughs> Think about it. Don't don't get within six foot of each other. Well, <clears throat> I can see how that plan worked for the enemy. I mean, when the church is finally becoming know who they are, here comes a plan from the enemy to try to stop this thing. Why? Because what they're saying is what they're what they're saying is don't come within six foot of each other. Well, how do you lay hands on someone? Within six foot. You'd have to have arms longer than orangutan. Right? Well, that's not who we are. Why, why do we feel like someone who's sick uh, has the ability to give us more than what they have, if it was COVID or pneumonia or the flu or whatever, more than what's in us, we can put into them. See, we haven't become, we haven't become convinced of who we are. 
So the, so the, whole, the whole thing is just this in, in the sense of if you ask most believers, you know, do, do you believe in creation or evolution? Most, people, most believers would say creation. We don't believe we evolved some ape. I hope that's 100 percent here that this believe in creationist and evolution, but but we don't live life that way. Even Christians don't live do church that way. They go they go to church every week, over and over and over, trying to learn that maybe one day they'll become who they already are. See, that's we we say we believe in creation, but we live like we believe in evolution. That if we just learn one thing enough, if we could just get to the right church, if we could just get to the right person, if we could find someone just 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 with the right anointing, if we could get to a William Brandon, a Catherine Kuhlman, you know, Noah Roberts, we could get to someone who has a healing ministry. I could be free from this. Well, God's provided all that, and people have been healed, set free for that. But the greatest thing is is for you to become to know who you are. Hmm. And then you live this way and you live free. Amen. The, the, the people say, well, I, I, I just don't have the same relationship that you have. What, what does that mean? I mean, even the word relationship is kind of messed up now. Because people say, well, you know, your relationship with God might be better, Pastor West of mine. No, no, it's not. Anybody in here married? How long have y'all been married? 38 years. 38 years. About to be 20. 17, 23, 17. 17. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm the old guy here. I'm 39 last month. So <clears throat> whether you've been married 17, I married Emily last, last week or two weeks ago. So she'd been married less than two weeks. Now, and I've been married 39 years, right? Y'all know Emily, so I'll, I'll use her for example. So her and Parker's married now. So now it's Parker and Emily Wilson. Now I've been married 39 years. I'm her uncle. Which one of us is more married? Am I more married than y'all? Well, I've been married 39, 38, 37. You better be sure. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to go home. <laughs> well, no, I'm just kidding. But, but, but we're all just as married, right? Married, marriage, married. Married, so, so when my, my wife and I got married, then my, my last name became her last name. Why? Because we became one. We became in union with one. Well, you, you're, you're in union with the one who gave you life. You're, you're just as married. Now, I, I may function differently. In other words, I may, I may or may not exercise uh, who I am more than someone else, but I'm, I'm, I don't have a better relationship with God than you do. I just may function in who I am more. But, but, but so I, I, the word relationship sometimes mess people up. It's, it's the word connected. So if, if you're connected, you're just as connected. Uh, John 15 said, abide in the vine. See, it, it gave us the analogy of a tree, right? You know, the vine and the branches. And where does the fruit come on? The branches. Well, in that, in that scripture, he said, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Then where does the fruit come? The fruit comes on you. But, but you can't have any fruit unless you're in him. You've got to be, you you got to be connected. 
You get, I mean, you, you can take a saw and sever the branch of a tree and you could take it and take a rope and tie it around it, but it, it's, it's going to die. It's dead now because you, you, you've, you've severed the life of it. So the life is in the roots, in the soil of that tree, and it goes throughout all the branches. So what's flowing through you is not your life, it's his life. You don't have a you life, you have a him life. So we, we have people who go into all kind of conferences now, all kind of conferences. They're looking for something. They're going to the worship conference and maybe, you know, something will happen over there. Or they're going to the open heaven conference. Maybe heaven will be open over there. Heaven's already open. So you, you're the conduit that the power is supposed to flow through. We're trying to get somewhere and find where somewhere heaven's open. My gosh, where do you get something like that from? We're, we're so far away from, from where the church was and it was producing results. We got to get back to the very basics and, and they're very simple. They have to be simple because we're supposed to make disciples. If it's complicated, it's going to take someone very educated, which means I need to stop talking right now. So here's the, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. So people say, well, I'm, I'm looking for the, uh, I need these gifts or I, I need this kind of anointing, someone with this anointing. Uh, I, I, I hate to say this, but even where I went to Bible school, and y'all know where I went, so I won't mention the name. I've had people that just, you know, and, and, and I know their heart was right in it in the sense of, of why they did this. And they had a compassion for the hurting and the sick when they would go minister to them. So the, 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 they would go up to where William Brandon is buried and, and they'd hang out around his grave. There's people all the time trying to get to where Smith Wickersworth is buried and hang out around his grave. You have gobs of people who try to lay on uh, John G. Lake's grave. Trying to pick up the anointing from the grave. Listen, John G. Lake didn't even have a John G. Lake anointing. Smith Wigglesworth didn't have a Smith Wigglesworth anointing. John G. Lake got his anointing from Christ. What would you want to do that for? Well, I'm just believing God for a double portion. Double portion of what? Of a man? How about, the, how about the Lord is your portion? Is, is that not enough? How about you're complete in Christ? How about of his fullness you have received? Why would we want a double portion of some man? You, you can see that when I said that, don't you? John G. Lake, don't even, I mean, the Holy, Holy Ghost didn't say, now nah, I'm pardoning you, John Lake, a John G. Lake anointing. That's, you say, well, that's not even biblical. Of course it's not biblical. It's time to wake up and smell the roses. Amen. So, how do, how do we function that? What, what does that look like? Becoming who we are. How do we access both of it? And so we have to get rid of the fear and, uh, and get it out. It doesn't belong to you. Uh, it's his fear that's manifesting and he's, he's concerned because he's, he's terrified because the revelation says he knows his time's real short now. Real short. So he's trying to wreak havoc everywhere he can and with everyone he can. And so that ends today. So we have, we have authority to cast out devils, don't we? Yes. Some says, well, yeah, if the people want them to go. No, you have authority to cast out devils. It didn't say if the people want them to go. That, that's, that's what somebody else taught us. He said, well, now if the person wants the devil, they can keep it. Show me the scripture then that they can keep it. Well, you know, he gave us all the will. He, he did. But he said, he gave me a power over all devils. I, I've met some people who's happy with their devil. I really have. I've met some people who's happy with their devil. <clears throat> but I still could cast it out. Now, I can't keep it out, but I can cast it out. Now, if they're happy with the devil and I cast it out, 
that devil, he'll go look for seven times more than he was to bring in, and they'll be seven times happier when he comes back. <laughs> that's, that's a joke, by the way. Right? I mean, if they're going to be happy with it. But you have the authority to cast all matter of demonic work out. Right? Because he's given us his authority to do the sin. You have to, you have to develop a reputation. I'm not going to preach long. I'm going to preach short. We're going to have results. You have, to, you have to develop a reputation. So, so what you have to understand is what, what, what I did Thursday is not what you do in church. Churches, I go down here and we, get, we, we anoint with oil and we do this and we lay hands on sick and all that kind of stuff. That, that, that doesn't work on the street. Churches, you need to learn how to live by faith and you need to know all these things and you need to know about faith and healing and speaking and power. You know, that don't work for the man I just laid hands on. He's in a coma. How do I school him into faith right. when he's in a coma? Right. Man, you better go down there with some results. You, you better go down there and be able to transmit to someone who's in a coma. You can't say you need to sit up and take notes. Can you see that? So churches... In the sense we've done that differently. Well, we, we ministered that. Well, the only mention of that is in James chapter 5. Well, it said, if anyone's sick, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him the prayer of what? The prayer of faith. And don't him with all. And if he's committed any sins, he'll forgive him. And he said, and, and he'll save or heal the sick. That's the church. Doesn't work anywhere else. Nowhere in the scripture can you find Jesus. I know y'all know this. Y'all well, well taught, well trained. Nowhere in the scripture can you find Jesus ever praying for anyone to be healed. Jesus never prayed for anyone to be healed. What did he do? He commanded healing. When he sent the disciples out, he said, go from here. And he said, read the scriptures. It says, heal the sick, cast out devils. Preach the kingdom. He didn't ever say pray for it. Jesus never prayed for one sick person. So when you get out on the street and you're going out in the highways, the byways, and the workplaces, you're not, you're not there to, to pray in that sense. You're there to command. When I, went, when I went down there Thursday, she needed a lot of help. I knew to go down there with, with gentleness, meekness, kindness, and dynamite. It's like Melissa over here. To me, to me she's, so, you know, she's, she's small in frame, but she's powerful. She, I, I was thinking about Wednesday night and this morning. It's like, she's like a keg of dynamite. And if you, if you get a flame too close to her, there's no telling what's going to explode. It's just, I was like... I and mean, Jonathan better walk his straight walks. All I know, he could get blown up in a good way. But anyway, but so I went down there, and uh, and she says, "Well, thank you for coming." She says, "I says you're welcome. I'm here to help." She says, "I've never fought nothing like this in my life. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life." I said, "I'm sure. I'm sorry." She says, "I thank you for coming to help me fight." I said, "I'm not here to help you fight, ma'am." She said, "Huh?" I said, "I'm not here to help you fight." She said, "What are you here for?" I said, I'm glad that you asked. I said, Jesus already fought and won this thing. She said, and she said, well, yeah, that's right. She said, well, then what are you here for? I said, I, I, she said, you're not here to fight us. I said, no. She said, what are you here for? I said, to evict. <laughs> to evict. In other words, as a believer, they pronounced death on him. There's nothing they can do for him. My job is to heal the sick and cast out devils and get rid of this stuff. I'm not here to fight. Jesus already won the fight. Now, I'm not saying there's times that we don't stand and fight that, but you understand what I'm talking about? I'm not here to fight to, to obtain a result. I'm not, I'm not fight trying to get the victory. It's already been won. I'm here just to enforce what Jesus already did. 
You say, well, you say, well that's just semantics. No, it's not semantics. You, you have to really understand that because if you don't, you'll go in there trying to obtain something because you'll be thinking to yourself, I don't, we have to get this because we don't have it. Huh? And that's when you have pain in your own body. You're trying to get something that you think you don't have. The problem is that you don't know you already have it. You just don't know that you already have it. And so that pain is talking to your body. But that's going to stop today anyway. All that's going to stop here in just a few minutes. Praise the Lord. You say, because you're a big deal. No, nah, I'm nothing. People say things like this, like, you know, I say, well, what you, what you been doing? Wes? I say, well, we've been out healing the sick. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Oh, I wouldn't say you've been out healing the sick. You know, you know, it's the Lord doing that. Well, okay. Okay. Well, well, when you say that, first off, I know I'm talking to a baby. A carnal baby. Look, I know better than anybody that I don't heal the sick. Because I'm just as married as you are, remember? And who, who are we married to? Christ. I know he's the one healing the sick. But, but my job... The rest of my life is to make sure that I forget and you forget and the, and, 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 and the devil forgets and the angels forget. In other words, where I end and where he begins. Where do you end and where does Christ begin? See, you, you become what? One. You're, you're married to him. And when you begin to differentiate the two, that's where the problem comes in. Look at Jesus in the wilderness. Satan says, if you're the son of God. Look at your problem. We know, he said, I know you've got to be hungry. I know you've got to be thirsty. You know, if you're the son of God, do this, do this, try this, try this, try this, try this. Well, if you're the son of God, really, if you're the son of God, he was the son of God. If Jesus had acted on any of that, we would have been in a mess because he would have been acting on the words of Satan. So, you have to develop a reputation. Well, I was going to hold this back, but I don't think I will. You have, to, you have to develop a reputation. If you're, going to, if you're going to heal the sick, cast out devils, and raise the dead, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to gain a reputation in hell. Of the who's who in hell. They'll, they'll have to come to know you. You remember the, you remember the man that, that went and, and then he said, you know, I'm seeing Paul do these things and they're talking about the name of Jesus. They think, oh, he said, I think I'll go try that. You remember the story about the seven sons of Sceva? Well, he went out there to, to said, I adjure you, he said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Come out of this man. And, and you know what? It worked. The devils come out. Beat him silly. But they came out. But what did they say? They says, hey, we know Paul. We know Jesus. Who are you? Man didn't know who he was. He, he just heard something someone preached over here. He said, I think I'll go try that in, in the name of what Paul preaches. Well, he, he came out. So we, we developed this reputation in hell. In other words, you're not remembered for the losses. I mean, uh, you know, uh, part of any success that I've had through the years of, of miracles and signs and wonders of, of just seeing, you know, glorious miracles. I mean, when, when the blind were blind and now they see, when the deaf were deaf and now they hear and they get new eardrums. When, when someone's dead and they're raised from the dead, that would change your life, change their life. Well, really changed my life as my mother, but, but changed their life. I, I, we had a woman come in one time. Uh, I was thinking about this morning. I don't know what brought it up on the way here. And I, he said, you remember that woman that came from Louisiana? 
And uh, a guy in my church met her out somewhere in the marketplace, and she, she was a nurse. They'd flown to Alabama, for some kind of specialty nurse. And so she went to go uh, to, to get prayer. And uh, Nathan said, a uh, guy in my church, he says, I want you to come to my church Sunday. He says, I think the pastor can help you. Well, I, I never met her before the service. And, and at the end of the service, I prayed for her. And uh, she said, uh, I have two things. Now, I, I, I don't know to this day why I did this. I said, well, I'll tell you what, don't, 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 don't tell me about both of them. Just tell me about number one. I, I said, just tell me what's behind door number one. I don't know why I said that. And, and uh, she said, well, okay. She said, when I was 10 years old, I was running in my yard and me and my friends were running. And she said, we had a, a basement at the house. So there was a petition concrete block wall, you know, to hold, hold the dirt up. And she said, I wasn't paying attention. And I hit that wall wide open. And she says, it damaged my spine. And she said, I have a curvature in my spine. And she said, I, I, I can't turn. I can turn this way. But she said, but I, I can't go. She said, I have to go like this with my feet. I said, okay. I said, okay. So I laid hands on her. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I just com commanded that life to flow into her. Well, she, she, she just fell to the ground. And immediately, uh, you could hear things, but her spine, it took about five minutes, her spine completely, apparently, just became normal. And then, and then she, she, she was able to turn, and, and she's crying and crying, and we're all happy, we're rejoicing. And then, I, then after everyone's through rejoicing, I said, oh, wait a minute, what's behind door number two? She said, never mind. I said, no, never mind. I said, let's get it while we're here. She said, no, never mind. Well, she never would tell me what's behind door number two. But I'll tell you this morning. I got a letter two weeks, two weeks later from Louisiana. She said, I'm the lady who came and she said, you know, was just so happy and thankful. And we was, and she says, uh, she said, you, you want to know what was behind door number two? She says, it didn't matter. She says, but, but now I'll tell you why. She said, as a teenage year, as a, as a teenager, she said, I got away from God and got involved with the wrong people. <clears throat> Excuse me. She said, and I got myself into drugs and into prostitution. And because of that, she said, I, I caught certain diseases, female diseases, that there's no cure for it. Wow. And she said, every time I went to a church and they would pray for me and, and my spine was no better. She said, the, the, the ministry, she said, it's probably because the life that you lived as a prostitute that has caused this permanent injury in your life, there's nothing we can do for you. I wish I could get my hands on those guys. But anyway, she said when I went to the, I went home, she said, and I thought, well, now, wait a minute. But I, but I was healed of my spine. She went to her female doctor and she was free of herpes for the rest of her life. I never, I never ministered that part. But see, the revelation is if he did this for me, everything they've been telling me, it could be wrong. So she, that's why she said, I don't need to tell you about door number two because obviously something happened to qualify me to get behind door number one. Now, see there? So I, I know who's healing the sick. But when you're saying you better watch it because you know, you, you know you're, you're saying you heal the sick. No, I, I'm in union with him. See, there's only one chapter in, in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts. And thank God for the gifts we need them. But, that, but, but Corinthians was the most carnal church that there was of all the churches that Paul went to. 
And carnal people need gifts. They need help. Well, we all need help. And, and I'm not saying that the gifts are in operation. You're carnal, but I'm saying that they were given primarily to carnal people. You can't read, you can't, you can't find them in the book of Ephesus to, to a, mature, a mature church. The mature church was taught who they were in Christ. The Corinthians church was given a lot of gifts to help them. Well, thank God for the gifts. I'm not discrediting the gifts. Please don't understand that. But to the point of being who you are in Christ, you, you minister out of who you know that you are. If not, you'll always be waiting for a gift. You'll be waiting for a word. You'll be looking for someone with a special anointing. And look here, you already have that anointing. First John 2, 27 says you have anointing that's in you that abides with you. It don't come and go. It stays in you all the time. So what you have to do and master this thing in your body sometimes, no matter how you're feeling that day, you say the same thing all the time. This is important. If you don't hear nothing else, hear this. A lot of times healings are progressive. I like miracles, don't you? I, I love miracles. I've got to see that and, and be used in that capacity many times. And I love to watch these miracles happen instantaneously. But they don't always happen instantaneously. There's a process. So what you have to do is you, you have to learn how to speak. You have to take by his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, you were healed. You say that when you feel great. You say that when you don't feel great. You say it on Monday. You say it on Tuesday. You say it on Wednesday. You say it on Thursday. You say it in the spring, in the summer, in the fall, the winter. In other words, the enemy gauges your life by how you respond to what's going on. In other words, the, the enemy comes and inflicts you with things, and then he, he, he backs up to watch us how you respond to it. And say this, yeah. And, th and then we give voice to all these things, and then he knows, he, he knows he's winning. But I've carried pain in my body and I don't even talk about it. Huh? It's not that my body didn't know it. I could have talked about it. But I don't give him any, I don't give him that advantage over me. How you doing? Great. You say, well, you're just lying. No, I'm not lying. I, I, I'm, just, I'm quoting scripture. I'm, I'm agreeing with scripture. Confess means to what? Say the same thing. Well, the Bible says by his stripes, I'm either. I, I, I'm confessing that because I believe the same thing. But I know the enemy's looking for a response because he, he's, he's saying, well, how did that work? Well, we, we talked to some of y'all this morning because you knew I was going down. We all agreed with me. So, well, what happened? In other words, how'd that work, right? Well, the enemy's looking to say, hmm, we, we dealt with her this way Thursday. Now we're going to see how, how, how it looks. Because he's as a roaring lion looking for someone he may devour. How does he know he can devour you? Because he watches your responses. He listens to your words. But if you're always the same, he, he can't tell if he's getting to you or not. It's great. It's wonderful. It's glorious. You say, well, what if you die doing that? Well, what if you do? Somebody said, well, the doctor said I was going to die. Well, say, just, just tell him, say, well, it's just, I don't believe that. I believe that I'm healed and the Lord's healing me. Some said, well, what if you do? Well, it's, it's wonderful. How, how many of you believers? So if you die today, are you telling me you would be in heaven? You know, another word for heaven is called paradise. You want me to feel sad for someone who's in paradise? I live in Jemison. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I know there's a few more advantages here in Tuscaloosa. But, you know, Jack's Burger King Subway, Jack's Burger King Subway, Jack's Burger King Subway. I'll, I'll eat something today before I leave here that won't be Jack's Burger King Subway. So, I mean, y'all got a little bit more things here, but look, you, you think this, this is pale in comparison to paradise, right? This is a trash can on his best day, right? T to paradise. Man, we're going to get to you just a minute and you'll be just fine. Praise the Lord. So, all those gifts. So, 
You're married. We're all married. Now, let's read these scriptures and we'll be through. First John chapter five. You got to see these scriptures. Hallelujah. This is what you have. First John chapter five. And we'll start with verse 10. He that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not, God hath made him a liar. He that believeth not the record that God gave of his son. No, here, what, what's the record? What's the testimony? Here's the testimony. Here it is. Ready? Verse 11. And this is the record or the testimony that God hath given us what? Eternal life. That's that Zoe life I'm talking about. Zoe life is 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 what makes God God. The, we, we could call it the, the DNA of God. So he says, we have this testimony. Here's the testimony that God has. That God hath given us, you and I, eternal life. And this life is in his son. Son who? Jesus, right? Okay, now let's get a bit closer. Let's, let's elevate. We talked about, we, let's elevate. Here we go. But he that hath the son hath what? has the same life. Well, it was good to know Jesus had it, but he said, but if you have the Son, you have this life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So, he's saying the son, this life that's in God is in Jesus. And you, if you have the Son, you have the same life. Now, now, here, now, here's what life does. And we'll finish with this. Life does two things. It's constructive and it's destructive. In other words, the life of God that's in you, that emanates in you, in your spirit, when, when it finds anything that's not life, it begins to go to work in your body. When people who know who they are and they minister to you from life, that life will flow from them into you into that person, whoever it is, and it, it will begin to correct, it will reconstruct, it will make new, it will cause new bones. I mean, I, I've seen this, I don't know how many times. We'll, we'll, we'll bring organs in, we'll like whatever. I mean, I've seen cancer killed on tumors. I've seen cancer of all kinds of cancers heal. Well, that's, that's what the life of God is doing. It'll bless you. The, the life of God will prosper you. The life of God will educate you. The life of God will give you hope. The life of God will lift you up. But at the same time, when the life of God is in a person's life and there's something the enemy's doing to destroy that life, that, that same life will turn around and it'll become destructive. In other words, it'll say, now I'm going to release life in this body. And that life goes in there and it does its own x-ray and it says, there's cancer in here. Uh-uh. 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 There's pain in this body. And the life of God said, uh-uh. Uh-uh. So the life of God will build you up. But at the same time, when it finds something that's not life, it will destroy. It'll go to work on what's not life. And you can have more of this or less of it. The more that you meditate on who you are and what you have in you and, 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 and that you become who you already are and you quit trying to become who you are. 
I mean, Melissa, are you going to wake up in the morning? This is a crazy question, but you don't mind. Are you going to wake up in the morning and try to believe God you're a woman? No. What did I say? Melissa, I'm sorry. I don't, are either one of y'all going to wake up in the morning and try to believe God that you're a, a female? You're, is that settled? See, they're settled on that. Right? No more than you need to wake up in the morning and wonder if you're healed. When Jonah was in the whale for three days and three nights, I mean, he had a whale of a problem, didn't he? But anyway, he's in there for three days and three nights. <laughs> it, it didn't take long for him to think about, you know, Nineveh don't sound that bad now. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, go Nineveh. <laughs> right? But here he is in the whale, and, and, and where he said, he says, he says, those who believe lying vanities will forsake their own mercy. He called his symptoms inside of a whale lying vanities. Now you ask a person who has sickness or pain all in their body, and, and, and then you take them over to Jonah who's in the whale, and he says, I, I know I'm in the whale, but this, this is a lie. This is a complete farce and lie. So when Jonah said, go Nineveh, well, the Lord just directed that whale, just take him to shore and spit him out. Right? Well, what you have in your body right now is just, if you have sickness or pain in your body, it's, it's just lying vanities. It has to go. Why? Because life is here. Life has come to the rescue. I can just see y'all the way y'all are operating. I mean, it's so easy for me just to detect it Wednesday and, and, and this morning that there's a reputation in this city the, 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 that's taken on such a life and, and you're going to see it begin to increase and you're going to begin to see it grow and it's, and it's going to become in because the miracles are going to begin to be like popcorn. You know how popcorn is, you know, the first minute and two, he just goes round and round, you don't hear nothing. But that last 45 seconds, woo, pop, 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 right? So how many feel like you've been in the microwave just, just under the heat? <clears throat> well, a, a popping's about to take place. And so sometimes all, your biggest thing to do is just, is just uh, the reason I've had some success in this is just this. I don't, I don't like quitting. I, I wasn't raised by quitters. Just naturally I wasn't raised by quitters. My, my mother would have gave me a good, she would take me behind the shed and, and fix that attitude in just a minute. I never told my mother I was bored. Well, she, she had to plow mules and gather up chicken and eggs and make their own butter and all that. And, and, and I was like, our air's out. She's like, looked at me. She, she took her clothes down on a, on a washboard down to the creek because she had an alcoholic dad and then she had three other sisters. And if they didn't plow that meal and the chicken didn't have eggs and, and the cow didn't have milk, then we don't have butter and, and wears feed sacks as clothes. So she didn't put up much excuses. She, she didn't want to hear all that. She was a kind, loving, very compassionate woman. But she meant business. So I told her one summer, I got to school, I said, I'm bored. And she said, you are. She said, come, she said, come here, son. And she handed me a pair of scissors. She said, go out there and cut the grass today. Don't, don't, come, don't come back here if the grass is cut. And I said, with, with this? She said, uh-huh. She said, that'll fix your boredom. It did forever. Now, I was bored after then, but I never told her. <laughs> I kept that testimony to myself. <laughs> so, so I'm a little bit smarter than I look. I know I don't look that smart, but I'm smarter than I look. So, so. So here's the deal. We'll end it right here this morning. You develop that reputation. I don't want demons going back to going back to hell and say, "Man, we just man, we we 
We beat that Eric West all, we just terrorized him. That ain't no good testimony. That, I mean, I can just see this church developing this reputation. It already has it, but it just, it just increasing more and more. In other words, <clears throat> you, here they come. Here comes the demons that come Tuscaloosa and then to get to, you know, to get to the people of this city and then this church. And all of a sudden, these demonic spirits, they're doing this and they're doing that. <clears throat> and, and then they make the mistake of coming to River Church. Oh, my gosh. They come to River Church. And do you know what happens to them when, when demons come to River Church? See, th this is personal to Jesus. When, on the road to Damascus, when Saul met Jesus and he fell to the ground with a bright, bright light, remember what Jesus asked him? Well, Je or Saul said, who are you, Lord? Well, he's Lord, right? But before he said that, Jesus says, he says, Paul or Saul, why do you persecute me? Why are you persecuting me? Well, Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He never met Jesus. What was he doing? He was in prison and he was stoning and he was killing Jesus' people. And Jesus says, what you're doing to them, you're doing it to me. Jesus took that personal. What's happening to you is happening to me. And I don't like this. And it needs to stop. So what's happening in your life right now or maybe in your body, Jesus takes it real personal because he thinks he's married to you. And you're just as married as anybody else. Or you got, you got that same connection just like anyone else. So Jesus takes it real personal when, when the effects of hell come into your life and begin to work in your body and your mind and your emotions. And it's our job as the church to set the captive free. Amen. To set the captive free. So I can see when the demons come in here. <laughs> I can just see it. I, I, just saw, I just flashed in my mind of, the, of these two demons just limping back into hell and, and the rest of the demons like, my gosh, what happened to y'all? Oh, oh, we went down to try to do so-and-so. Oh, where was y'all at? Uh, Alabama. Oh, y'all went to Alabama? Yeah. yeah. These are demons come back to hell. You know? uh, uh, what part of Alabama did you go to? Tuscaloosa? And the demons say, you didn't go to River Church, did you? We told you to stay away from River Church, you dumb, stupid devil, you. We told you don't ever go to River Church. They hurt you. They hurt us. Yeah, I'm never going to go back to River Church. Not ever again. You gain a reputation. Amen. See, you're, you're just a little bit bigger than the last thing that beats you. Or you beat. Or a little bit smaller than the last thing that beats you. But it's not you, it's him. So, we bless you in Jesus' name. We're going we're gonna to go from here and pray for y'all here. So if you need healing your body right now, are we still on, Barry? I declare you healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I speak this same life of God to flow into you right now in the name of Jesus where you're sitting. If you're watching this broadcast two years from now or you're listening to this broadcast, there's no distance of time in the spirit. From this day forward, your situation turns around. Sickness goes and it flees in Jesus' name. By stripes, I decree and declare in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whose I am and whose I serve, I decree you to be healed right now in Jesus' name. Amen.